Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you would, turn over to uh, Ephesians, we'll probably go to chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and um, yeah, she had mentioned how uh, the fast is going to start tomorrow. I was just at our um, satellite church down in Ottumwa, Heartland Ottumwa, and uh, before my dad, who pastors that church, before he introduced me to speak last night, he mentioned how we're all going to start the 21-day the fast tomorrow, and, he's, and I know he's going to be fasting some food, but his point was he was saying how there's different ways to fast. Um, d- different people do it different ways, different things that they give up for the fast, and, uh, and he personally said, he said, I'm going to be fasting my phone. And I specified YouTube and how his wife, my mom, gets irritated when they're trying to watch something on TV and she catches them and just distracted with the phone. So, uh, so I made a commitment last night. I, too, will be fasting my dad's phone <laughs> for 21 days. I will not be doing that. So. so he lives an hour and a half away. It's a sacrifice, but I'm willing to do it. Okay. So, but do want to encourage you to just... Um, Pray and ask the Lord how you should participate. Um, I, would inc- I would encourage you, if you've never fasted 21 days, I would not encourage you, well, let me, let me put it this way. If you've never fasted one day, don't go, hey, I think I'm just gonna fast 21 days. I would not encourage that. I'm not saying God can't lead you to do that, but generally, we grow in uh, bite-sized amounts, even though we're talking about fasting, which is not biting anything. Um, but we, need, we grow in smaller increments. So I would, I would encourage you to, um, well, don't bite off more than you can chew, except for it. The analogy fails again. But anyways, just in smaller amounts. And just ask the Lord. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8 that sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And he knows exactly what you need. And he knows what you can handle. And sometimes we have a... We have an idea. We think we know what we need, and we think we know what we can handle, but God knows. So listen to him, and he is very faithful to lead you into that process. And uh, I, would, I want to encourage you that uh, fasting is a wonderful, glorious, powerful uh, spiritual discipline um, exemplified in Scripture, not in the Old Testament, but in the life of Christ himself. And then with the apostles, that is a spiritual discipline that they practiced as well as the early church, and it's just always been a part of the Christian life. And it is never about earning, but it's about accessing. It's about positioning ourselves to access what God's made available to us. Okay? So my wife and I have joked um, in the last few years how it feels like in our house there's been a little more of, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Say that again. I didn't hear that. That's been happening a little bit more. And so if I were to suddenly go, you know what, man, I realize I got some wax buildup in my ears. That's, that's not good. So I'm going to like really go for it to clean out my, to get wax out of my ears over the next 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, because I really clear, I know you're looking at me like, this is gross. You can't see it, but there's a young lady right up front who's looking at me like, oh, that's gross. Anyways, so if I were to really clean my ears really good, get every, every last ounce of wax out, 
so I could clearly discern my wife's voice from another room when she says, honey, da-da-da-da-da, fill in the blank. Um, that's not me earning anything. That's, I'm not earning hearing her voice. I didn't suddenly earn anything. What I am doing is I'm positioning myself to hear her voice with greater clarity. So scripture says, God opposed the problem, gives grace to the humble. How many know that we're saved by grace? Woo, we're recipients of grace. Amen? But yet it also says, God opposed the probably gives grace to the humble. So when I read that, I understand that there are levels of grace that perhaps I haven't fully tapped into yet because areas of pride in my life. So when scripture says God gives grace to the proud, or he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud, it's not a matter of, well, I'm gonna earn anything with God because you understand that grace is not earning. It's a free gift. But when he says that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. What that shows me is I can position myself to receive greater measures of grace in different areas of my life. And chances are, over the next three weeks, God wants to highlight some areas in your life that he wants to flow into your life with a greater measure of a supernatural, empowering grace. And so we don't earn that, but what we can do is position ourselves to receive it. And so I, I, I know that's, you know, the whole thing with the earwax is kind of a, a weird, perhaps gross analogy. Um, but that I can't help it. Every, every time I think about lengthy fasting, I think about that very thing of just, it is, it is a way for God to um, clear out anything that's blocking us from really clearly connecting with his heart and hearing what he has to say. So it's not about earning, but it is about positioning. And there's some positions you're in that you hear better. Make sense? Okay. So. Um. <laughs> Give that man some Q-chips. Okay. Um. Also, just want to point this out. Uh, I, I know it is not March yet, but I believe in March, um, it'll be 20 years since Pastor Dave has been the pastor of this church. And uh, since, I don't know when I'm going to be in the pulpit again, uh, I just wanted to take this opportunity to just say, uh, you know, he's not here this morning, but just be thinking of that in the days to come over the next few months, that this year marks 20 years of him pastoring this church, and just um, to honor him for that, for 20 years of faithful pastoring this church, okay? Uh, so, amen. Dave, if you're listening, hopefully you can hear everybody clapping for you. Um, so this is the first time in about a year um, since I've, I've spoken here on a Sunday morning. And uh, it was two years ago, uh, the last Sunday of, of December 2019 um, was my last Sunday um, being on staff after having the privileged position of being on staff here for many years, around 15 or 16 years. And... Um, uh, you know, getting ready at that point to launch into full-time itinerant global ministry, excited for God's plans, hallelujah, and then a couple months later, boom, the whole world shuts down. So I've been enjoying a lot of time with my family, and, uh, and that's been good, and that has been needed, and uh, I am thankful for that. And so by the grace of God, um, I'm very thankful um, for <clears throat> my wife's 
health coaching business that, uh, you know, we, we're, we're not, that is doing well and we're not dependent upon me going from church to church getting some offerings to pay the bills. So I'm very thankful for that. And, uh, and so the way I look at it is when I get an opportunity, when God opens the door and I get to go minister, not so much in other nations these days, but different places around this country, here in Iowa and other states, when I get to do that, I am blessed. And when I'm staying at home with my family, I am blessed. I can't lose. Time with family is good and important, and I'm more aware of that more now than ever, as two of our kids since that time have moved out. So we've got two left, and one of them's a senior and about to turn 18. So in a few weeks, we'll only have one minor left out of our kids. So um, I just, I, I know that's really important. And I believe you know, God in his sovereignty, how he works everything together for the good. Um, I'm thankful for this season to be at home like I am um, with my family. And, uh, and also very thankful for the doors that God has opened and uh, the opportunity to minister in different places. Um, uh, like I said, last night was in, in Ottawa, a few weeks before that was in Burlington, was in Florida back in November. And, uh, and just looking at plans further on in this year, um, here probably this spring, um, some possibilities of perhaps going um, to Costa Rica, Panama, um, potentially um, potentially to Pakistan, and just some different nations as God is opening up doors. So just trying to figure out how to navigate all that stuff, because as, as, as everybody knows, everything is much more complicated these days um, with international travel and so it's much more complicated but just uh wanting to just keep in step with the spirit and stepping through the doors that he opens and i want to i want to thank people who have given uh to my ministry um specifically uh i say that because when people give through the church which is a very convenient way to give um i don't know who's giving i just know that i get a uh, a you know, a blessing from the church saying, hey, people gave toward your ministry. So I don't know who those individuals are, but thank you to everyone who's given. And uh, I was able to use some of that money when uh, Pastor Dave and I went to Columbia, South America, back in August and ministered and uh, had a glorious time there. And um, yeah, God is good. He is really, really faithful. And so um, I know it's been an interesting season for all of us, uh, learning how to navigate the 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 interesting season on planet Earth that we're in. But you know what I love about this season? Is that in the midst of so much change, we get to cling to the unchanging one. We live in a world where there's such fast-paced change that's happening by the minute, it feels like. But we get to cling to the one who's immutable. The ancient of days who has never, never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want to just share briefly, I've been kind of in a teaching mode lately, but God's really messed me up with that over the last several days. I won't even get in to try to explain that, except to say that um, uh, I feel like God just wants me to declare some basic things. And the phrase that he gave me a few days ago that was kind of resonating in my heart regarding this morning was the term, these words together, access now. And it reminded me this morning of something, some months ago I was just writing some notes out of just this thing of, (laughs) this phrase, this glorious gospel we really don't believe. 
You see, one of the vulnerabilities of being a part of a prophetic people and a prophetic movement, a prophetic church, a, a, a prophetic flow, okay? It's awesome. We love the prophetic, and God is a God who's speaking today, right? And we have access to his voice, and he's speaking today. But if we don't know what he said, we're not going to rightly interpret what he's saying. So if all you're doing is focused on what he's saying right now, like switching the dial, and like we just said, we live in a world that's like, it feels like it's changing every, like by the minute. And if you're constantly trying to update, just going, what is he saying? What is he saying? If, you, if you're not rooted in what he said, you won't properly understand what he's saying. And so anything God's going to say today is only built upon the foundation of what he said. Now, I don't want to just, I don't want to just have religious information without hearing his voice today. That is true. But on the other side, you won't fully understand or properly be able to interpret what he's saying if you don't have the foundation of what he has already said. Because everything that he's saying today fits within the framework of who he is and what he's already declared himself to be. Okay, so just this, this phrase of this glorious gospel, we really don't believe, but I believe God wants to get us there so that we're fully convinced uh, of what he's provided for us in the gospel, in the new covenant, okay? Um, so, uh, <sighs> Oof, he's good. Uh, Ephesians 2. Let's look at this real quick. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we were all, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of humanity Whew, isn't that encouraging but it's still true whether it feels good or not this makes a clear presentation of the sinfulness of man and the wrath of God against the sinfulness of man In a day and an age where in our culture wants to downplay the seriousness of sin or even eradicate the concept of sin, we need to remember some foundational gospel truths that man is sinful and in dire need of a savior. Every single one of us, we desperately need a savior. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and received the, the gift of salvation, if you've never repented and turned from your sin, God's inviting you to do that this morning. And all of us were born with inbred selfishness. Okay? It's ingrained in us. And rightly deserving judgment. This is what this passage is talking about. We've all been raised in an environment of rebellion, pride, and sin. It says, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now verse four, but God. Woo, but God. That's good news right there. 
but God. And I tell you what, this, this is speaking of our condition, our natural fallen condition, apart from the good news of the gospel, apart from this amazing Savior who rescued us, okay? That we were stuck and trapped in sin, worthy of judgment. Loved, but worthy of judgment, okay? But I want to encourage you that there's a thousand other things that you can put in that scenario about how bad things are. But always get to the next sentence that says, but God. But God. But God. I am thankful for the but God. He has a plan. He always had a plan. And it's a good one. But God, being rich in mercy. It does not say that he's reluctant to eke out a little drop of mercy, perhaps. It says God, but God, who is rich in mercy. He saw us at our worst. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, that he's lavished on us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am thankful for the gospel. I am thankful for the gospel. But God. Now, if you would real quick, go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. St. Corinthians 5.21. I'm just going to quote this real quick. Different versions say it differently, but essentially it's, it's all the same. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God the Father made Jesus, who was perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God, made him to be sin for us. That is a mystery I don't fully comprehend. Like how could a sinless, spotless, perfect son of God become sin for us? And yet he did. He, he not only took on our sin at the cross, he took on our identity as sinners. He took on sin. He's so identified with us that he took on our guilt, the weight of our shame, all of the pain, all of the rejection, and all of everything that we deserved. He took it upon himself. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. That is a foundational piece of the gospel, and most of us as good evangelicals, we know that. It's like, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Hallelujah, praise God, I know that. But immediately after that, it says this, so that, God had made him who knew no sin to be sin so that. So that shows it's going somewhere. Like there's a purpose involved here. He didn't just send Jesus to the cross to become sin for you. It's so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I think that's the, the missing piece that a lot of us miss. It's not just that Jesus paid a high price 
with his sacrifice. It is so that you and I could be reconciled to God. You and I could have free access to a holy God. You and I could receive a new identity. That he not only took on our sinfulness, he took on our identity as orphans, as abandoned ones, as guilty ones, as, as, as outcasts. He took on our nature at the cross so then we could inherit his nature as righteous ones, as beloved ones, as accepted ones. There was a great exchange that took place at the cross. And some of you can hear this and go, yeah, I know that. Some of you, it's like, "Mm, I don't know if I've ever heard it that way. But even for those of us who've known this for years, the fact is, here's the reason why I say we don't fully believe it. But I believe God wants us to be fully convinced. Okay, just like it says of Abraham in Romans 8. He says that he, he was fully convinced that God would do what he said he would do. Fully convinced. The reason why I say we're not fully convinced, because if we did, I think our lives would look different. I'm going to speak for myself. If I really believed it, my life would look different. And I will say that to the degree that I come into agreement with what he's already said in his word, to the degree that I lock my heart, my faith that I lock my heart with what he's already declared about me and I agree with him and those old lies of the enemy begin to fall off and fade away, the more I come into agreement with what he says, my life does begin to look different. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is a phrase that some time ago, the Lord gave to me that, that I've been feeding on, and I, I, just, I just believe it's, it's true. I believe it, it encapsulates so much of the New Covenant teaching okay, that we find in the New Testament epistles. And that is, God has made himself accessible to us, and he's made us compatible with him. You see, if I'm not living in God's presence every day, then I'm proving I don't fully believe the gospel. If I'm shying away from God in guilt and shame and condemnation, I'm proving I don't fully believe the gospel. And then when I say live in his presence every day, I'm not saying, because different things will come to you, the minds of different people in this room. I'm not saying it has to necessarily be an ecstatic experience. I'm not saying it has to be weeping, shouting, crying, something dramatic, okay? It may involve that, but at least there's gonna be this place of peace where you understand, the God of the universe is my father and he loves me. No matter of fact, he likes me. He's made me compatible with him. See, I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself being compatible with God, but I want to encourage you, you need to think that way. What we just read in here about being sons of disobedience and objects of wrath, we were incompatible with God. A holy God, okay? And in our rebellion, we were incompatible because we rebelled against the king and we didn't want anything to do with him. 
or like most people in the West, we wanted enough of God to get out of hell and to get to heaven, but the rest of my life, hands off, leave me alone, I'm gonna do it my own way. You're not gonna, you might be king, but you're not my king. But now that we've been born again, now that we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we have access to the Father by grace through faith. And you and I have been made compatible with him. This perfectly righteous God now says, you are righteous. And you've been made compatible with him. See, how many people break up in their relationships? How many marriages break up because they're like, well, it's just incompatibility. We just don't get along, man. We just don't see eye to eye. We just don't fit. It's just, it's not working. Just, we're incompatible. If you've been born again, you can never say that about you and God the Father. He's made you perfectly compatible. Now, in that process of Christian maturity, he will tweak your mindset, he'll deal with your heart, he'll deal with your motives, he's gonna grow you up as a good father, he's gonna deal with you, he's gonna work on things in your life, your heart, your mind, your mindset, he wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind, he wants you to walk in the freedom Jesus purchased you from the in, for you from the inside out, but who he's made you to be is perfectly compatible with him. And you and I get to live like that. You and I get to live in the fullness of that. I've been thinking about this, how Pastor Dave and I, we were gonna be in Burlington um, first weekend of February doing this supernatural school of ministry. This basically a weekend conference where we're gonna be teaching on the same subject we've taught in different places around the world, a lot in Colombia, on supernatural ministry. And really, you know, the more that I think about it, the foundational piece, really the center of it all, really is the gospel of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Because we really can't separate saying, well, here's the gospel, here's the fact that I got saved, when I believe the gospel, and then here's this supernatural Christian life over here. No, it all stems from the gospel. How many understand, no matter what you did or didn't feel when you got saved, it was a supernatural event. That's supernatural. When a holy God takes a sinner and turns him into a saint, when a holy God takes a rebel and turns him into a righteous one, Someone who's been filled with self-centeredness and sin and all of a sudden makes them pure and now declares them to be the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's supernatural. When you got saved, you did not just adhere to a set of theological ideas. You did not merely embrace a Christian philosophy. Having a Christian worldview is very good and very important. But you did not just go, yes, I now embrace what? First church of whatever, fill in the blank, believes. No, it was a miracle that you were born again from above. 
That is the beginning of supernatural ministry. And everything flows from there. So I, wanna, I just want to read this, this verse real quick. I think we touched on for a second. Uh, we'll go ahead and... Um, <laughs> there's just so much... Uh, good here in Ephesians 2. I, uh, matter of fact, when I read Ephesians 2, I get stuck with wanting to go back and read Ephesians 1, but then I want to jump to Ephesians 3. It is just all so good. But we've been, sa- we've been saved by grace through faith. How many know that? You've been saved by grace through faith. The Lord's been reminding me, not only were we saved by grace through faith, But everything else in the Christian life is by grace through faith. We never leave that. It's not like, well, yeah, I got saved by grace through faith back here. But now over here, man, it's up to me to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I got to work really hard now. I mean, I got saved by grace, but now it's just this really arduous journey. No, you are saved by grace through faith. And it's all grace by faith. 21-day fast. By grace through faith. You, one day you find yourself in the middle of the fast eating Cheetos. You're like, ah, God, how did that happen? I don't even know how that got in my mouth. Oh, God, help me. It's not a confession. It may or may not have happened in the past. Just, it's just an example. How do you recover from that moment? By grace through faith. God pinpoints some sinful dysfunction in your life. And you thought you were doing good. And you felt like you were doing much better than that. How do you deal with that? It's by grace through faith. It's by grace. Grace being a free gift. It's initiated, started, commenced by God. Salvation was his idea, wasn't mine. Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So before I ever messed up, he already had a plan. Before I ever screwed up, he had a plan. But ever before I sinned over and over and over again, he had a plan. Before any problem ever arose in my life, he had a plan. He initiated the process. It's by grace, and then I simply respond in faith. It's his massive yes. I love you. I've come to rescue you and redeem you. I've always loved you. I've always wanted you. I want you to be mine. I want you to live in the fullness of my love and my presence. And I just go, yes. I just got this little bitty, I mean, my yes is tiny compared to his massive yes. Because his massive yes toward us has been echoing down through the ages for millennia. Before the creation of the world, he's had this giant yes that has been pressing in upon us. How many remember a time when you weren't saved, but you could feel the love of God just chasing you down? You're like, oh man, he's right on my back. I can't escape it. I can't get away from it. Some of you remember what it was like to be backslidden, and you're like, man, I'm living in the world, and I'm partying, and it's fun, and then it just wears out, and it's like, oh my gosh. The hound of heaven is after me. He loves me. He is chasing me down. And everywhere I go, I keep running into Christians. And I keep, I turn on Christian TV and I can't get away.
away from it. And then I try to go to bed at night and I remember the little uh, stories from Sunday school and I remember my grandma's prayers. Anybody identify with what I'm talking about? He just keeps chasing you down. And no matter how bad you screw up, he just keeps chasing you down with his love because it's this massive yes. And it's only right for us to say yes back to him. Oh, but mine is really small. It's important. But it's just my response of faith to his great love, his great mercy. So here's the deal. We're embarking upon this 21-day fast, and, you know, we are a church that talks about crying out for revival. And from my limited perspective at this point in my life, this is what I would say. When we talk about revival, and specifically we talk about an open heaven over a region, okay? Like I said earlier, we're not going to rightly understand or rightly interpret what he is saying if we don't understand what he has said. You can read throughout revival history, you read throughout church history, and specifically revival history, about places where the presence of God invaded communities. And I believe God wants to do more of that. I don't believe we can just say, hey, we're going to have an open heaven over all of Ankeny just because we decree it. It's my personal opinion. If that was the case, then why don't we just expand and say over all of Iowa? Well, let's just say the United States. Hey, we're just going to make a declaration of revival for the whole planet. And in case there's anybody living on other planets, we'll just say the whole cosmos, okay? <laughs> Let them get saved too, if that's possible. Okay. Just keep going further out. But I, I don't, I'm, not, I, I'm not convinced from Scripture that that's how it works. There is a place of fasting and prayer where we are contending to see results that we have not seen yet in our lifetime, but we've seen it happen in history, okay? That's revival praying and revival intercession. On a personal note, in your own individual life, Jesus died so that you could have an open heaven, okay? And I think it's very good if we don't get those two confused, but that we could learn to live in such a way that we could take, number one, that we learn as sons and daughters our new covenant privileges because of what Jesus Christ paid for us with his sacrifice at the cross, okay? That we would learn to enter in and live in his presence every day because we have access, because he's given us access and he's made us compatible. And so we, we get to come into agreement with what the word says and we get to steward our heart accurately, rightly so before the Lord and come into agreement with what he says and we get to live under an open heaven. And hopefully what happens is that begins to expand so that pretty soon when people bump into you, they're not just bumping into you, they're bumping into Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
they're bumping into some of that anointing oil that's beginning to leak. And they begin to bump into the open heaven that you live in. And that open heaven just begins to grow over your own head, over your own life. And it begins to reach out further so that people get within your vicinity and they begin to encounter the presence of God. You feel that? Hmm. If you don't, that's okay, but man, that sure feels good. Ephesians 3, 12. Hmm. I am not releasing anything new this morning. I'm just coming into agreement with what God has already said. I believe his invitation to us this morning is simply to believe what he's already declared about you and I. And his invitation to us is to access what's already been given. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. It's here right now. And I thank you that that oil is flowing. That oil is flowing. Roger, I, I don't believe it's just some like fresh oil. But you get to re-enter into every encounter and experience you had with God. And you get to re-access it. And he's loosening that upon you right now. Verse 12. In him. <laughs> oh, back up at the end of, of 11. Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with trepidation. Is that what it says? With, I don't know if he really likes me. I don't know who am I to come before the king. Is that what it says? My ESV version says... In Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. You have access to the promises of God right now. You have access to the goodness of God right now. You have access to healing right now. You have access to the voice of God right now. You have access to his holy presence, to his loving presence. You have access to a perfect father right now. So as we embark on this 21-day fast, position your heart to hear it more clearly. But I'm telling you, you have access now. And it's not just about, I'm not saying this because we're about to start a 21-day fast. I'm saying the tendency for all of us, and especially within the context of a charismatic and a, and a 
a prophetic perspective is, well, hey, this is what God's going to do. This is what God's going to do. This is what he's going to do one day. And one day he's going to do this. And one day he's going to do that. And someday, someday, someday. But we live now. And I felt like what the Lord began to stir in my own heart for my life personally, but I heard these words for us this morning was, access now. You and I, we have access to him now. Not only do we not have to wait for someday, but even as I referenced just a moment ago regarding Roger McKim, is encounters you've had in the past that maybe you even felt like you've lost. And you're like, that was amazing back then, but I'm telling you, (laughs) that oil is still accessible. That intimacy That revelation, that encounter is still accessible. He wants you to know that. And he wants you to be fully convinced. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here right now. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the cross. God does not love you because Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross because the Father has always loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Anything you see on social media, anything you see on the news, of people that frustrate you, irritate you, people that you are so convinced are doing so many things wrong, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for that. Any one of those people you find, they fall into the category of, for God so loved the world. The world, those people, those people that he gave, he gave, he gave. It does not say that God was so angry with the world that he gave. It says, for he so loved. How much does God love you? Jesus says in, in John 17, 23, he's praying to the Father and he says, Father, I thank you that you love them just like you love me. There is no difference between the perfect love of a holy God, an amazing Father, and his love for his beloved son Jesus and his love that he has for you. He's made you compatible. He's given you access and he's made you compatible. I know we're a prophetic church and I'm telling you, no matter what, globally hard times are on the horizon. The best is yet to come. But don't wait for someday for something to happen. Praise God, Lou Wengel's coming next month. Hallelujah, I'm excited. That's gonna be awesome. But you know what? You don't have to wait for the next service or for the next speaker or for the next prophet to prophesy over you. You have access to a holy God who really loves you and wants to speak directly to your heart. And matter of fact, the Holy Spirit wants to reach inside your heart and into your belly and those things that have been laying there latent 
those, things, those promises you've forgotten about, those, those commitments you've forgotten about, God's commitment, loyal, faithful, everlasting love, things that he's whispered to you, things that he's spoken to you, generational blessings that he's promised your family that are laying, he wants to awaken that and pull it up to the surface. He wants to reach into your belly and awaken hope. And he wants to remind you of every encounter that you've had with him over the years. And he wants to bring that to the surface and reawaken it. You have access now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. He's really that good. And that is the kind of access that you have. I want to... I want to conclude with just this thought on a Greek term. I have a Greek word, and I'm not really into Greek, but I was reading this this morning. <sighs> Roger, if you just put your hands out before the Lord. God, I thank you. Now, this is an oily man. <laughs> I thank you. Roger is saturated in the anointing oil, the oil of the Holy Ghost. I feel like there's a few of you throughout this room right now. You can feel the presence of the Lord beginning to drop in on you. And I'm going to ask you right now to just put your hands out before the Lord. See, because what we're doing right now is we just want to cooperate with him. And it's acknowledging who he is. It's acknowledging his presence. It's saying, oh God, thank you that you're here. See, God doesn't draw near to people he doesn't like. He loves you. And no matter what you do or don't feel this morning, we know from his word, he loves us. He likes us. He delights in us. He delights in his people. It says in Romans 5 that, that we have this hope because the Holy Spirit pours into our heart the love of God. If you need fresh hope this morning, you get it. By allowing the Holy Spirit to pour the Father's love into your heart. And when you get a perspective, when you begin to filter every situation through the incomparable, everlasting love of the Father, you can't help but begin to have some hope. Hope just begins to bubble up. You can't help it. You can't help it because you begin to filter everything through the Father's faithfulness, through the Father's extravagant love for you. <laughs> So, Lord, I bless those right now who feel the presence of God beginning to fall on them. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. This is what I read uh, this morning, is that there is a word in Greek. I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's something like epipepsin or something. I don't know. It sounds like a medicine. But it's a Greek word. And, uh, and you find it in Luke 15 when the Father runs 
out to the prodigal son and he runs to him and he embraces him. And the King James Version says that he fell upon his neck. Well, that can seem kind of awkward. But really what he's saying is he embraced him. But that it's the same word, I'm told, as based on what I was reading this morning, is the same word that's used in Acts 10 and 11 when it refers to the Holy Spirit fell. That when the Holy Spirit fell in those different contexts, okay, and I believe the first one in ten is um, Cornelius' house, and he, he was just sharing the gospel. As he's preaching the gospel, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just fell and interrupted his message. And before you know it, these Gentiles, who hadn't even, quote, said the sinner's prayer yet, just began praising God in tongues. Well, that's pretty cool. But it's the same word that the father ran to embrace the son is the same word for the Holy Spirit falling on people. That when he falls in a room, he comes to embrace you. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for him. Oh, I thank you right now that you're embracing us this morning. <laughs> and you're squeezing us until unbelief is squeezed right out of us. Ah, oh, we were, we were, we were past tense. <laughs> Sons of disobedience by nature, objects of wrath. But God who is rich in mercy. Woo! Thank you that you, who knew no sin, became sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and be made perfectly compatible with a holy God and a loving Father. I want you to just thank him right now. If you're born again, if you're not saved, cry out to him. Say, Jesus, save me. But if you have been born again, I want you to thank him right now. Say, thank you, Lord, that you've made yourself accessible to me. I have access to you right now. And then I want you to thank him. I want you to thank him that you and God himself are compatible. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.